0: Enjoy the message. I don't know about you, but uh, we have the carne asada waiting for us at home. We're just gonna turn on the grill and uh, and uh, enjoy that. So uh, don't worry, we're gonna go slow. Uh, but if you if you are ending your fast today, uh, just want to say congratulations i'm proud of you if god is prompting you if god is prompting you listen to me church if god is prompting you to go a little bit further do it do it i'm gonna do it i'm gonna break my fast today to celebrate with my family but starting tomorrow i'm gonna continue all the way up to 40 days and i'll tell you why i'll tell you why god has really been doing something wonderful in my life on Friday, as we had our worship night, I share that I didn't like the person I was becoming. I didn't like the husband I was, the father I was. I didn't even like how my heart was going through towards church. And God has been changing that during these 21 days. Amen. I've been more sensitive to the spirit. I've been more aware. He's, his voice has been more clear. So, So I want more of that. I want to become the best husband I can, the best father I can, the best pastor I can. So if God is prompting you, do it. Even if you got to modify it, do it. Amen? Amen. Hey, when you walked in, you should have gotten a bulletin. If you didn't get one, raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring one to you. Today we're going to finish the last five promises in the Psalms of Ascent but as you uh, raise your hand and get an outline, I want to tell you a quick, joy, a quick joke. Amen? amen? So the story says that an 85-year-old woman went on a blind date with a 92-year-old man. I guess you're never too late to date, right? eh? Amen. And uh, after their date, she came home very frustrated and mad. And almost with, a, with, a, with an expression of confused in her face. So her daughter asked her, Mom, what happened? Did your date not go well? To which she said, You know, I had to slap him three times. Wow. The daughter was a little shocked and she said, Did he try to get inappropriate with you? And he said, No, I thought he was dead. <laughs> Let's pray, Amen. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this beautiful morning. We know that you are in this place and your joy is available for us to grasp and take ownership of, Lord. As we go into your word, Father, this joy, this peace, this happiness needs to be grounded in the truth of your word. So we pray that as we go into it, that your word would cement in our heart and mind and that it would give fruit in the way we live. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen Amen. and amen. Well, the last three weeks, we've been looking at what is known as the Psalms of Ascent, and it's Psalm 120 all the way to 134. And these psalms were sung by the Jewish people every year, at least three times a year, as they went up to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. And these, these psalms, they didn't begin as psalms. They didn't begin as poems. They were actually songs that they sang. There were songs that everybody knew, and there were songs that became psalms, but more importantly, these were songs that expressed their faith towards what they believed God would do. In other words, these psalms were promises, promises of who God was and what God would do and how God was like, and they, as they sang them, they they took ownership of them. And we've been doing these psalms because we have to do the same. It's a different year. And I don't know what your approach to this year is. But this year can be the year where God pours his promises upon you. Now, let me tell you, each of these promises, they're a gift. And I don't know about you, but gifts need to be received. Have you ever had somebody tell you, hey, I bought you something for your birthday, but I didn't bring it today, and then they never give it to you? Well, a lot of times we take that approach towards the promises of God. And let me tell you, we need the promises of God. Look at what 2 Peter 1, four says right there in your outlines. If you would open up your bulletin, there's an outline you can follow along with me. Look at what 1 Peter 1, four says. It says, God made what? great and marvelous promises now these promises they need to be embraced by faith and we can embrace them by faith and i know some of you say but pastor in the past i've tried believing god in the past i've tried just believing with all my heart that it was going to happen and somehow it didn't well here's what you got to know about god's promises 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. God will answer and fulfill every promise. But here's the caveat. He won't do it in your timing. He won't do it in your timing. Listen, I'm a good father. I'm a good father. And when my kids get old enough, I am going to help them get a car so that they can drive around. But if Maisely, at nine years old tells me that she wants a car and I say no, does that make me a bad father? No. She's just not ready. And sometimes we need to understand that God is going to fulfill his promises, but he's going to do it at his timing and he knows best. You know why? Because there are some things that if God gave us, we would make a mess out of them. Maisely has been asking us for a phone. I don't know. I, re- I respectfully respect the decision of every parent but we do not believe that an eight-year-old needs a phone i don't even believe a 13 year old needs a phone but but that's me we're, we're a little crazy you know we're, we're a little crazy i think both of us were dropped by our parents when we were little but we're looking at these promises because if we're gonna believe them in faith to see them come into fruition the very first thing we need to do is we gotta know them We got to know them. And I told you the first week, there are so many promises that people, that the people of God are not embracing simply because they don't know them and they don't know them because they don't read their word. So we've been looking at them. Let's, let's do a quick recap of the first 10 and then we're going to look at that last five today. The first promise that we find in Psalm 120 and then so on is that the first promise is that this new year, the Lord is going to deliver me from lies. There's so much misinformation. There's so many opinions out there. We need God's truth, and he will deliver us from lies. The second thing is that the Lord is going to protect us, and he has, and he will. Amen? The third is that the Lord is going to give me peace and prosperity. God is going to give me peace and prosperity. Speaking of prosperity, um, forgive me for being so excited, but this Wednesday, one of my biggest dreams came uh, true. And that is that I became a legal, a legal citizen of this great country. <laughs> Many of you don't know this. Many of you don't know this. But there was a time that Lorena and I were considering leaving to Mexico to live over there. Because I was tired of leaving us in illegal. And it wasn't so long ago. And, and God has just opened doors and moved. And in under two months, listen to me, this is God's grace, under two months, from the time I put my application to this Wednesday, it was under two months, I became a citizen of this wonderful country. Only God can do that. Amen? Amen. I know that we have people in our church who are praying for that same prayer. And I want you to know that I am committed to praying to see it happen in your life. Amen. 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 Number four, the fourth promise is that the Lord is going to sustain me. That as I put my eyes in him, he will sustain me. The fifth promise that we looked at is that the Lord is with me. That in the times of pain, my greatest anchor is his presence. The sixth promise that we looked at last week was that the Lord will make me unshakable, right? And the seventh promise is that the Lord is going to restore me. That being a Christian doesn't mean bad things don't happen, that we don't suffer, that we don't experience loss. But we have the promise that the Lord will restore all that the enemy takes, amen? The eighth promise is that the Lord is my provider. The ninth promise is that the Lord will fill me with joy. The 10th promise is that the Lord is going to give me victory. And today we're going to look at promises 11 through 15. Let's look at number 11. Fill this out in your outline. The 11th promise for this new year is that in this new year, the Lord will forgive me. That the Lord will forgive me. And only a few people say amen, but I think we ought to all have said amen. Amen. Because I don't know about you, but before I got to church, I had already sinned. <laughs> I, I know some of you are holier than me, but, 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 but I sinned. Psalm 130, verses 1 through 4. From the depths, listen to this, from the depths of what? despair oh lord i call for your help hear my cry O oh lord pay attention to my prayer lord if you kept the record of our sins who oh lord could survive but you would offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you Now, pay attention how this psalm begins. And it begins with a cry of despair. Somebody who is at the rock bottom. I want you to have this picture in mind of the kind of condition this individual finds himself in. Think of an individual somewhere deep in the ocean at night in the middle of a biggest storm possible on a ship that has capsized. There's no hope. There's nothing they can do for themselves. But what? Cry out to God and say, God, please help me. Now, how does somebody get to such despair? How does somebody get to such rock bottom? Well, Romans seven fourteen tells us. Look at what it says in your outline. The trouble is with me. Can you say that with me? The trouble is who? It's not your spouse. It's not your boss it's not the government where's the trouble and you're saying but, but but how can that be well let's continue reading for I am all too human a slave to what to sin and I know that nothing good aside from God if we don't have God with us there is nothing good that lives within me that is in my sinful nature See, our biggest problem is sin, and as long as we live in this world, our relationship can God grow every day more, but we will always struggle with sin. We're always going to have to learn to overcome sin, and the thing about sin is that there is nothing inside of us to remedy that problem. There's nothing in us we, some people try forgiving themselves. That doesn't help. And you can't buy or earn forgiveness. The only thing we can do is ask God for forgiveness. Now, check this out. If if sin is a problem and it, and we can't fix it, with that in mind, pay attention to verse 3. Look at what verse 3 says in your outline. I believe they'll put it up here. Lord... If you kept the record of our sins, who, O Lord, could survive? If God kept the record of your sins, how could any of us stand before God? None None of us. You want to know something really, really interesting? He has such book. Did you know that? Let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you. Revelations chapter 20, verses 12 and 13. Look at this. Look at this. I saw the dead this is John speaking both great and small standing before God's throne and the what (laughs) books the books were open including one of those books is the book of life and the death were judged according to what to what they had done right as recorded in the books The sea gave up its dead, and the dead, and the gray gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. There is a book with a record of all our actions, good or bad. There is such book. So what about those sinful things about us that are recorded in that book? Well, if, if that psalm ended in verse three, then we would be in a big problem. But this is where we see the beauty of God. Look at what verse four says. But you offer forgiveness so that we may, what? Learn to fear you. And last week we talked about what kind of fear, right? It is a reverent, respectful fear. It is not a dreadful fear. It is a fear that, that is based on, on, on love and respect. Listen, there's three things that a person needs to completely change their life and their destiny. What are those three things, pastor? God's forgiveness, God's love, and God's redemption. God's forgiveness, God's love, and God's redemption. So this new year, this new year, church, don't live with guilt and shame. Don't live in the shadow of sin embrace God's forgiveness that he offers to those that seek him amen the 12th promise the 12th promise is that this new year in this new year the Lord will give me satisfaction man and do we need satisfaction amen Psalm 131 verses 1 through 3 look at what it says the Lord Lord my heart is not proud My eyes are not haughty. And you may be thinking, what does that have to do with satisfaction? We'll answer that in just a minute. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always most people would not think that satisfaction is a promise that god uh makes but it is in fact true satisfaction can only be found in god everything else satisfies for a moment you get the latest gadget and you're very satisfied until the next one comes out You buy uh, something and you're happy with it till you see somebody else with a newer one. True satisfaction is only found in the Lord. But you know what stops many believers from experiencing satisfaction? Pride. And you wouldn't think that pride has anything to do with satisfaction. But I'll tell you why pride gets in the way of experiencing God's satisfaction. Because when you're prideful, you will try to do it your way. When you're prideful, you're going to go after your desires. You're going to follow your own path, and you're going to put God aside. And when you put God aside, you can't experience his satisfaction. And we're all too familiar with the outcome of being prideful enough to not submit to God and find satisfaction in him. And the outcome is always what? It's always worry and anxiety because we never have enough because we can't control enough. And pride needs to be overcome if we are to experience the satisfaction that the Lord promises. Yeah. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. You don't have to go there. But it says that God had to humble the people of Israel so that they would learn to trust him and not themselves. God had to humble them. The, the, the disciples, they came to Jesus and they said, Lord, we want to be the greatest. We want we want to be important. We want to be number 1. And what did Jesus said? Hey, the greatest are those who serve. The greatest are those who humble themselves and become the least. And in this psalm, David speaks about the right attitude. If pride is not the right attitude, then what is the right attitude? Well, he says it in verse two. Look at what he says. He says, instead, I have calm and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Now, if you got little ones, you know how hard that is, right? If if you've had little ones, you know that when they're little, they cry every two hours. Right, but if we're willing to put pride aside and say, Lord, I trust, I trust that what you have given me is what I need now. Now, listen, this doesn't mean you, don't ha- you can't have ambitions. This doesn't mean you can't have goals. But you know what satisfaction is? Satisfaction is I can be happy with what I have now and still look to what God can do tomorrow. I don't, need my, I don't need what I don't have to be happy now. No, satisfaction is I can be happy now. It's kind of like when you eat, right? Like, I don't know what's your favorite food, but just think about it right now. And those of you that are starving, I'm sorry to do that to you. It's kind of like like, you know, your favorite meal, when you eat it, you know, it satisfies so good that you know that's not the last meal. You know that later on you're probably going to have tacos or pupusas or a steak, whatever it is. Yeah. But at that moment, you don't need the steak to be happy and to be full. Yeah. Well, the same is with the Lord, but we got to put our pride aside. Amen? Yeah. The 13th promise is that the, in this new year, the Lord will give me rest. Yeah. Hey, can I confess something to you? Yeah. During these 21 days... Not that I've done less. I don't want you to think that I've become lazy. But I've been more restful. I've been a lot more restful. Because my heart is at rest. My spirit is at rest. And that's something that God can give you. I've gone on vacations and had a whole week of rest and didn't feel rested in my heart. Because the rest that we truly need is found in the Lord. Amen. Look at what Psalm 132, 13 through 16 says. It says, for the Lord has chosen Jerusalem. He has desired it for his home, right? Where he's going to live, where he's going to rest. This is my resting place forever, he said. I will live here for this is the home I desire. I will bless this city and make it prosperous. I will satisfy its port with food. I will clothe its priests with, godly, with godliness. Its faithful servants with songs would sing, will sing for joy. Now, we only read a few verses. This is one of the, one of the longest uh, psalms of ascent. But, but if you were to read the whole psalm, the psalm is based on three promises. And there are three promises that revolve around rest. The first promise, you might want to fill this out, is David's promise to God. The first promise is the promise that David makes to God. What is that promise that David made to God? Well, God, David promised God to find a resting place for the Ark of the Covenant. In fact, let's read verse, uh, verses 2 through 5. Look at what David's speaking. He says, He made a solemn promise to the Lord. He vowed to the mighty one of Israel, I will not go home. I will not let myself rest. I will not let my eyes sleep nor close my eyelids in slumber until I find a place to build a house for the Lord, a sanctuary for the mighty one of Israel. David wanted God's presence to have a resting place. But the second promise that we find in this psalm It's God's promise to David. God's promise to David. And it's found in verse 11. And what was that promise? Well, let me tell you and then we'll read it. That promise was that one of David's descendants will always occupy the throne. And how would you like that promise? Right? Now, look at what verse 11 says. The Lord swore a note to David with a promise he will never take back. I will place one of your descendants on your throne. Now, you know where the ultimate fulfillment of that promise was? In Jesus. Jesus is a descendant of, of, of David, and he is a king of kings and lord of lords. But the third promise, the third promise, it's God's promise to us all. And what is that promise? That promise is to be among us, to give us rest. Did you know, can you think back of Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then what is the next sentence? He leads me beside, you don't know Psalm 23? Come on, church. He leads me beside green pastures. And then what? By soul. Right. And one of the things that David says is that he forces me to rest. He leads me to rest. God's presence with us doesn't just propel us to do things. But did you know that it also stops you from doing things that are just going to drain you? When we are not in tune with God, we take on a bunch of things that we shouldn't. And sometime when God is with you, and you're in tune with God, God will say, no, no, you don't have to do that. I got somebody else to take care of it. And that's why we need the presence of God, right? Verses 13 and 14 says, for the Lord has chosen Jerusalem. He has desire for his home. This is my resting place forever. He said, I will live here for this is the home that I desire. Think about this, think about the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. What made the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden was the presence of God. And there was rest in that place. It doesn't mean Adam and Eve didn't work. They worked, did you know that? Did you know Adam had a job before he had a wife? Young people? Ladies, if he ain't got a job, he doesn't need a girlfriend, okay? It was the presence of God. And when we have the presence of God, he promises to give us rest. And sometimes it's forced rest. Amen? 14th promise. The 14th promise is that in this new year, the Lord is the source of my unity. The Lord is the source of my unity. Um, I don't want you to think we have the perfect family because we don't. I'm in it, right? We we, we don't have the perfect family. (laughs) Okay, some of you got that a little late, but it's okay. Katie, we got some coffee after church, right? Okay, because I I think they need it. I don't want you to think we have a perfect family, but um, one of the things that I've really been enjoying lately with my family even more is this unity that is happening. It, we've always kind of been a united family, but but, but it's even more, you know, um, with my brother and his wife uh, have, uh, getting ready to have a baby and my sister and her husband getting ready to have a baby. Um, there's more unity. And one of the things that I enjoy in my family, one of the things that I enjoy in my family is that one of us will say, hey, I'm thinking of going to the observatory. Anybody else want to go? And then... Everybody tries to do the best they can to go and we'll all go. Hey, we're thinking, what if we rent a cabin and, and you know, we, we go spend a few days out there and, and we'll jump in, my uncle, my, my cousin, you know, and, and, and I just love that. Well, the psalm that we're about to read has that idea in mind of this unity that is in the family, that is in the brethren. And it is a unity that blesses. It is a unity that is enjoyed. Some of you, what I've just explained, that's, that's unknown to you because there's no unity in your family. In fact, you don't get together because your gatherings end up nasty. Somebody insults somebody, somebody looks at somebody wrong, and then you stop talking to them for another two years. And that is why one of the promises that God makes is to bring unity. Not just unity in our family, but listen, unity as a church. Amen. Look at what Psalm 133 verses 1 through 3 says. And you may be familiar with this. This is one of the most popular ones of the Psalms of Ascent. He says, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Sion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life ever after. Three things you need to know about unity that this psalm tells us. Number one is that unity is not just good, but it's pleasing, it's pleasant. Unity is not just good, but it feels good, right? Especially if you're a parent, if you're a parent, you know how good it feels when your kids get along, right? But you also know how difficult it is when they don't. Unity is not just good, but it's pleasant. Did you know that there are things that are pleasant, but not good, and some things that are good, but not pleasant? For example, something that is pleasant, but not good, desserts. They're they're pleasant. Right? That cheesecake, you're eating it. Oh, this is so good. And then when you're ready to get in the shower, not so good. (laughs) Right? And there's some things that are good, but they're not pleasant. Like what, Pastor? Discipline. Discipline is good, but it's not pleasant. Right? Getting up at 5 in the morning and go to the gym or to go for a walk or, or, or to get up and read your devotionals. that's not very pleasant. But it's what? Good. But unity is both good and pleasant. The second thing that we learn about unity is that unity comes from God. Unity comes from God. Unity doesn't come from from opinion. Unity doesn't come from laws. Unity doesn't come from the government. Unity is a gift from God. And apart from God, church, you cannot have unity in your relationships. Because all the enemy does is divide. He divides. That's all he wants to do. He wants to break up your marriage. He wants to break up your family. He wants to break up where you work. He wants to break up the church. Because that's what he does. He divides people from God's people and from God's blessings. So unity comes from God. But the third thing that we learn is that unity brings God's blessing. See, it says that unity is like the oil that is poured on Aaron's head. The oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is symbolic of power. It says that unity is, is like the dew in Mount Hermon, and the dew represents prosperity, it represents life, it represents growth. So, unity is good and pleasant. Unity comes from God, and unity brings God's blessing. And here's the last promise the 15th promise is that in this new year you ready for this I will bless the Lord I will bless the Lord now I switched that up a little bit because we've looked at 14 promises that we believe God is gonna do but I think we need to make a promise to God as well and say this year I am gonna bless the Lord Now, pastor, but you said there were 15 promises from God. So if you're saying that this last one is a promise that we ought to make, isn't it 14? No, because here's the trick. As you bless him, he's going to bless you. Let me prove that to you. Let me prove that to you. Psalm 134, verses 1 through 3. It says, come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place, and what? Bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Sion, he who made heaven and earth. And you may be wondering, Pastor, how can we bless the Lord? We can't bless the Lord. Yes, you can. You know how you bless him? When you sing to him. You know how you bless him? When you lift your hands, when you dance. You bless him when you make a big deal out of him. You bless him when you're reverent towards him. You bless him when you're thoughtful in him. You bless him when you seek him. You bless him when you're obedient. And we are called to bless the Lord because as we bless the Lord, he will bless us even more. Church, we ought to bless bless the Lord. I want to be blessed. And God has promised to bless me. But God also wants us to bless him. He wants his name to come out of your mouth. He wants your hands to be lifted up to him as an offering. He wants you to seek him. He wants you to want him. Because as you do, guess what? He's going to pour more and more blessings into our life. So 15 promises. Mark, I don't know if I could get some help up here. 15 promises. Now, here's what we want to do. I want to do two things. I want to do two things. Number one, if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God, let me tell you that all these 15 promises can be yours. But first, you need the most important promise that God has made. And that is that if you put your faith in Jesus, he will forgive you of your sins and he will adopt you into his family. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations, if you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.